Equity work is framed as a necessary burden. But we believe that it's work worth doing. This podcast is all about how to reframe equity work from just fighting injustice to building worth that brings justice, meeting the needs of everyone. Worth, worth. Desmond Spann, a.k.a. the Lux of Light, getting right on the mic, teaching life with that worth, worth. The imaginer, genius awakener, educator in the art of contemplating worth, worth. Podcast for teachers in the class to focus on the heart of the craft. Worth, worth. I'll refrain from the blame and the shame and the pain and disdain because we gain from that. Worth, worth. What's good, everybody, in the place to be? This is the Worth Work Podcast. I am Jesse Gardner. And I am Desmond Spann. Yes, yes, Des. What are we getting into today, my friend? Today, we are getting into definitions of equity. I'm excited for this. I need to know why this is important, though. It's important because we throw out this word all the time, but if we don't have clear definitions when we're having the conversation, then that just creates more confusion and another reason to not do the work. I feel that on such a deep, heartfelt level, I'm now ready. Ready. All right. He's ready. I'm ready. So uh, let's get into it, y'all. We're going to get into definitions of equity. We're going to just play little snippets from the empathy interviews that we did and just kind of talk about the various definitions that people have for equity. Yes. These are educators in the inner city of Portland Public School District and their definitions of equity. And we're just going to unpack them after we listen to them. You know, I think equity looks like uh, adults out of the way at its best. It, it looks like student leaders making decisions and choices and having self-determination around what they want and what they see their school can be for them. Um, because the needs that our students have, our families have, they know them better than any of us. So a lot of time for me, it's that, that sense of students stepping into a space and and knowing that it's theirs um, and not feeling as if they're coming into somebody else's. I think schools uh, fundamentally and institutionally create spaces where students don't feel welcome and they feel as if um, whatever issues, their, their challenges and things that are going on are a secondary part of their lives that they're supposed to leave at the door. And that's not a reality. You know, um, everything that's taking place with folks is is important to uh, embrace and then acknowledge that it's taking place so that there's um, a space to do something about it. Um, so I think equity work at its at its core, when it's really working, it's responsive to what students are and students are having that self-determination around what direction they want things to go. I'll pause it right there. So, yeah, what what comes up for you when, when you hear that definition of equity? couple of things. I, I really love like the getting out of the way, letting students have ownership of the space. Like that's equity. The art form, coming back to previous episode of that is that self-knowledge. Fifth element of hip hop, knowledge of self, that self-actualization. When a young person has that and they're ready to step into that place of influence or that place of taking ownership of their education that's when we have to get it out of the way. The art form of it as educators is 
providing an education where that actualization, that knowledge itself can happen. Another colleague of mine the other week said, we're beyond compliance education, but we're not. Myself included on that is I'm still wanting students just to comply to, okay, here's what I just said the assignment is. Now everyone comply with that. But it doesn't have that compelling element to it. Then what? I think definitely at its best, us being able to get out the way and part of the art is preparing students to be ready to step into that. It's an art. It's a tension because everybody benefits from the system the way that it is. And the benefit may not be learning, may not be the empowerment of students. This system now incentivizes you to not be engaged because of you're trying to figure out what's the minimum amount of effort and engagement to get the top result versus... How do I learn? How do I better myself and skills, build confidence and all that? Because the A becomes this thing in the equity question and the defining of it. You know, there's there's a meeting needs component. Right. And then equipping them with the skills to be able to advocate for themselves and advocate for their needs and then creating an environment where it allows for students to speak and to say what they need. This is one of the definitions that's kind of like the high bar. It's like, this is where we want to get. We're, we're, we're getting out of the way and the students are running the classroom. They're grading themselves. They're like, um, I own this space. Here's my knowledge. Here's my story. I'm ready to hear your knowledge and your stories. And there's that mutual genius awakening happening. Right, right. Like that's definitely like where we would want them to be and get to. In some cases, need them to be and get to. Just looking at the state yeah. of things. Yeah, no doubt. And this is uh, the challenge for us as educators and bringing the art form of educating is that we model that and we bring forth like our genius into the classroom. You know, you're bringing your genius, your gifts. If we can model that, then that's what's up. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's up. Uh, So my understanding of equity is that uh, of course, we are not on a level playing field. People have various advantages or disadvantages. And um, our goal as teachers is to lift everybody up. So when equity is working, we make adjustments to our uh, approaches, our instruction, and even our curriculum um, so that the people who are starting off uh, lower with lower skills or at whatever disadvantage um, can make great gains, right? I mean, striving for equality. Um, yeah, so that's when it's working well, everybody is feeling, let's say that all the students are feeling uh, empowered and energized because they're getting what they need. Talk to me on that one, Des. With that definition, like, there's a lot of things that sound good, you know? and definitely aspirational in a way, especially with the equality piece, then that kind of gets us into a quantitative frame of mind where it's like, I give you 10, I give him 10. I give her five, I give you five. Like that's equal and stopping there. But in that definition is again, the word needs. She needs 10 and we give her five. He only needs two and we give him five. Then we're being equal, but someone's still not getting their needs met. And then somebody is also getting more than what they need and then being conditioned to believe like that's fair. That definition might be good if you're still 
if you're not trying to do ungrading <laughs> and you're just like, you're looking purely at grades. Right, right. Hearing that definition right there, I'm like, okay, what if I would have framed the question, what is racial equity? Mm. Because it seems like we were skirting around the issue of white supremacy, white body supremacy, and, and how we live and breathe in that inequity in, in our school system is steeped in, in that. In order for equity to happen, we need to approach teaching from a vantage point with that knowledge of white supremacy is, is happening. And even we've been steeped in it growing up in the school system. And I think that's why we're having these conversations and why they're popping off and they're not always... There, there's tension in them, going back to the tension. Yes. And, I, and you know, the tension also makes me think of like a guitar string needs that tension to make beautiful music. Mm-hmm. So we need to lean into that tension. And I think we need that tension in order to like get in tune and in order to create a song, in order to create a like a school system where everyone is getting their needs met. I like the metaphor one, you know, uh, we're both music folks. So I like that. <laughs> the tension, the guitar string and getting in tune and understanding that like the guitar sound doesn't just come from the strings, right? It comes from the body and the, if it's acoustic, the type of wood and, you know, like, you know, the, the crafting on the whole. Yeah. And, and then, then it's a, affected by the space that it's in. That brings me to your point of a vantage point. And we need to start recognizing and seeing as much of the system as we can. Mm-hmm. I think students need to learn this. Um, I know educators need to learn this to be able to understand that like, it's not so much about what we individually do to even meet everybody's needs. It's like, it's that And it's also improving the relationships between the parts of the system. So relationships between teachers and students, teachers and parents, right? Even helping this relationship between students and parents, like to the best of our ability. Because it's all these places where all the systems of society show up in education in some way. And too long, we tend to approach it in a very like, we're trying to balance a lot of needs and we try to do it in isolation. Yes, I was just about to say that we're we're each siloed in our own classroom. Generally speaking, we're we're not modeling like how to work out the tension in front of students most of the time. We're siloed in our classroom and being like, "Yeah, here's all the knowledge and here's, you know, what's what we're learning and here's here's why you, what you should know about this the whatever subject you're teaching." Like we're, we have so many classes and we got grading to do. We got lesson planning and we're, all, we're trying to do it by ourselves that when we go to a professional development and it's like, all right, now we're going to talk about equity and how kids of color are not succeeding in your classroom. You're like, oh, fuck, I'm trying so hard and I'm just like, but I'm failing <laughs> and you get a bad grade. It's like, oh, what? I was doing everything right. Right. And that's, and that's the piece where it's like there are aspects of the results that aren't determined by our individual efforts that does not negate our individual efforts. And I think it's hard to keep that cognitive dissonance alive with that because we're in a very independent culture. Like that that's the ethos. It's not interdependence, right? Like I mean I even with kids and their reflection like they value being able like they want to get out on their own and make their own way and that's what we've conditioned them to accept nothing is independent every person is a complex system that's bumping up against other people that are complex systems and then 
organizations are going up against other organizations that are complex and all the dependent on each other to some degree. And because it's so complex, I think we gravitate to like, just look at our lane, stay in our lane, control what we can control, even if what we are controlling is damaging the whole for everybody. And I think that's part of the equity conversation when you're thinking about, you know, just climate change and just access to resources and things like that, where it's like, I mean, you can even connect it to COVID and pandemic responses. And there is something that's you know, a collective good that depending on the country you're in, be focusing a lot on just, all right, well, this is what we need. I don't care about what that other country needs. My responsibility is to this country. I mean, that's, I mean, I understand that to a point, but if every country's doing that and we're all depleting a resource that we all need, we will get at a point where we can't meet anybody's needs because no one is willing to step up and take uh, responsibility and accountability for the whole, you know. And again, this is all like ideas and like abstract theory. And so you can take it in many different directions. It's just a common thing that happens in that siloed nature that education is. I mean, I know I'm guilty of it where it's just like you just start doing what's best for you when you're not really thinking about the next class, Yeah. you know, because it's what you can control and it's what you understand. And there's limiting factors for people to be able to take the time to reflect on the whole system and, and get all the people in the room yeah. on a consistent enough basis to really start saying like, oh, okay, I see how this particular area affects this particular area. How we've also all created problems that no indiv- one individual is responsible for, but we all contribute to. No doubt. It connects back to what you're saying about creating an environment for our students to take risks. Is us as educators taking a risk? We teach who we are. If we don't take time to build our own self awareness, our awaken our own knowledge of self, and we're not net, we're not paid to do this. This isn't in your job description of like you must self actualize <laughs> as an educator at this school. But I see that as like the bedrock of the art form of teaching yeah. is to have that self awareness and knowledge to like, oh, I'm, I'm siloed here. I need to go to my colleague's room next door on my prep and just take in some new ideas. Or I need to have that difficult conversation. Or I, w- I need someone to observe my classroom and give me some feedback of something I'm not seeing. That just inspired me to want to take my own risks, you know, do something different. Yeah, I think that's modeling for sure. A thought came out too with like, okay, you teach who you are. Yeah. Yes. But what if... You teach who you want it to be. Ooh, so you raise the frequency up. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I mean, I don't know, like... Yeah, I mean, no, again, I mess with that. It's an interesting idea to think about, like... Because there's, there's, there's this... I mean, this is kind of going into a different direction, but there's this idea of, like, valuing, you know, authenticity. Well, authenticity is also messy. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, you need to practice to get there yeah you know you're not just gonna be like and like authentic is you know it's like okay you know what i woke up and i'm in my pjs and i'm gonna go speak to like a business conference like that's authentic as opposed to like all right let me put on the suit and tie because that's gonna it's like that's not how i dress every day like we don't want pure (laughs) authenticness you know what i mean you know we want authenticity when it's i guess serves us when we need truthful feedback i don't know and the idea of teaching like who you want to be 
the skills you want to have, the first thing that comes up is like that keeps you in a learning space, modeling that, yeah, yeah. you know, as opposed to saying, I, here's everything that I've mastered, quote unquote. Yeah. And so now I can you know, teach it to you versus, all right, here's how I'm trying to grow. And as I'm trying to grow, I'm going to show you the methods I use to, to grow in this way yeah. so that you have these methods to grow in any way that you see fit. Now let's take two bars. Breathe, align, relax, and shine. This is an invitation to absorb whatever's coming up for you. So let's start with the breath. Long, deep, spacious breaths. Align. Let your energy come into a state of equilibrium, of balance. And relax, my friend, wherever you feel tension. Bring relaxation, the shoulders, the jaw, the body, the thoughts, the emotions. Take a moment to relax. our breath, our alignment, our relaxation, we can't help but shine. Own your shine, my friend. I think the, when I think about equity and action, I think about radical acceptance, think about uh, a radical form of listening, think about which I think is, is rooted in love. I, I think, you know, it's a funny, it's a funny question, uh, it's an astute question, it's a good question to ask me. I'm a, you know, I'm a cisgender, middle-aged, able-bodied, native English-speaking white man. So when I think about what equity means, it's, it's, it's a trippy question. Because I've been active in that work for mm-hmm. as long as as long as I've been a teacher, yeah, um, which has been which has been sixteen, yeah, and uh, and really probably since I was a a little kid, yeah. All right, did you catch a definition in there? I caught some. Ideas. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he goes on to say, or he might have said it in there that basically the system is set up for to make white people feel comfortable, mm-hmm. and that's how the education system is set up. And another definition we might get to is a, uh, another person we interviewed said, yeah, that the, the, it's, it's not broken. It's doing what it's supposed to do. And that's educating white boys 
to be successful in this world and continue on with the inequities around race and gender. It's trippy. He would say it's trippy to think about equity because it's like, man, there's all these layers to it. What's our lane? What's each of us has a part to play. Each of us has an invitation into, like you were saying earlier, like to work towards the whole. Right. What I like about what he said is radical acceptance and listening. When I think of radical now, I, I don't think radical in the sense of like, ah, like out of your mind kind of radical. I think radical in the sense of like the root. The etymology of the yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when we, like the radical idea of going back to the origin of something, yeah. right? Going to the depth of it. So if we're talking about radical acceptance, we're talking about accepting each other at our core. My, here's some philosophy, or at least like my view on things is like the core of who we are has no words to the best of our experience of it, you know, feelings and sensations. We use the words to, to model the core of who we are. And so when we get into uh, identity and saying, you know, I am this, I am that, we're pulling pieces of a model that resonates with the core of us, but the core is beyond the words. It's mm. it's the experience of being. Mm. And so when we're talking radical acceptance, accepting someone's being beyond the the terms that they use to describe, mm. you know, who they are. And I don't think acceptance means you tolerate any behavior, mm. you know, like it's just all I accept you so you can do whatever you want. I don't believe that. But I do believe radical acceptance means maintain the relationship, like the, the, the human to human relationship. And, you know, based on behaviors, you'll decide how close you are to somebody and how, fur, how far you are from them. But if I'm radically accepting, then the stranger who is a human, I'm accepting their core being. And that's when I'm thinking of my behaviors and we happen to be in a context where our behaviors will impact each other, yeah. you know, directly or even indirectly. I'm, I'm willing to listen if there, if it's an attention thing, right? Cause that's how you discover needs is actually by listening to people. And I'm just willing to consider that, right? I'm willing to consider the other human being involved in the system, even if we don't share the same identity labels. Yeah, part of the part of the risk that we were talking about earlier is to slow down and really listen and to really see see ourselves and to see our students, see our colleagues like we get caught up and this is not in teaching especially but in day-to-day -day life we get caught up in the frequencies of fear so often that we, we get into our fears just to protect ourselves, to protect what's we need to survive. And then, you know, I just need to get through this day. I need to get through this lesson. And then I need to get through this, you know. It's okay, breath. And this is why I love the person who did that definition is because when, when I work with them, it's like, all right, let's just take a breath. Let's... Let's listen to what's going on. And that's a risk because it's like, oh, am I doing something? Right. Am I am I not 
doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But it's like, nah, like, let's see what what, what what's going on. Yeah. Where are we at? What's calling? What has a charge? What has? Where do we need to like work out a process? Who do you need to connect with? It goes against the vibration that's in us. A school system that's always go, 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 just to like take a pause, chill for a second, really assess and be aware of what's going on and act from that place of like clarity and acceptance. Yeah, yeah. And that, and so, and and that core being that's beyond the words and the models you have to be still for to experience to to and I mean like you're experiencing all the time, right? But your conscious mind will take you to the past, takes you to the future, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But to actually like focus on your core being for a moment, it looks a lot like stillness and silence, you know, even for a just a deep breath moment. And presence can seem like this very simple thing to do. And I think, I think again, with a lot of this stuff that's considered like maybe social emotional learning and, and anything dealing with emotions, right? Because we're talking about a whole being and we're talking about a whole system. We're talking about human beings in a whole system. So we have emotions, right? And they haven't gone away. They don't go away. They actually control pretty much everything. We, we rationalize out the outcomes we get, yeah. right? But anytime you like start talking about emotions, especially like things like compassion and things like empathy. empathy, right? It's it's again said in this like very peaceful tone, right? To imply <laughs> to imply, you know, in that in that tone, it's like, okay, yeah, just if you're like used to going hundred miles an hour and somebody's asking you to stop, that's a, that's some tension coming to that stop, right? Put on the brake. I, I try to do two bars in my classroom where we just at least take three deep breaths and, and then we the bars is the breathe, align, relax, shine, you know. But I'm also interested in dynamic mindfulness, which is a training I want to do. I, I know I think it's out of Oakland, but it's more movement-based mindfulness to implement into the classroom because not everyone can just like, is going to benefit from sitting still. That might be triggering. Right. <laughs> You know, if a student has certain types of traumatic experiences, you know, they're, they need to move in order to feel safe. Yeah. Or if I'm like, close your eyes, or, you know, it's like, no, just wherever you're at, just breathe for a little bit yeah. is, is a start. Yeah. I think it's just whatever allows you to direct your attention to the present moment experience. Yeah. You know, you can still be in motion and do that. You know, the breath is the anchor for that for sure, just because, you know, you're always always breathing. <laughs> or maybe not always breathing in a sense of like breathing the way you should, that's good for your body or whatever. But you can notice that and then that moment that you notice is the moment of being present. Yeah. And so it's a lot of work, it's a training, it's a it's 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 a lot of effort. It is a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of force to try to suddenly stop you know, a mind going a hundred miles an hour, you know, and then being able to say like, okay, why is my mind going a hundred miles an hour? Does it really need to be going a hundred miles an hour? Um, in this scenario, right? Like, and I think that's, you know, more often 
than not, it's not necessary. Like we can, you know, take a moment and and direct it to our present moment and away from the predicting or reminiscing about the past and just kind of observe what's there and then, uh, you know, connect subtle and then make a decision um, going going forward that allows you to then, you know, you're listening to the other person if it's a disagreement, right? That allows you to stay connected and present to the other person that's there so you can be attuned to them and attuned to their needs because, you know, we're dealing with students too who don't have the language just yet, you know, to, to talk about what they feel. Like every time I hear kids say, you know, I just feel, it's usually followed by a thought. I just feel that we're not doing anything. I just feel that that person's being mean. Yeah. Like these are these are thoughts. Like feel it's mm-hmm. it's in the body, right? Mm-hmm. I don't hear a kid say that. I just feel sad. Yeah. I very rarely hear that. I just feel angry. Whew. I mean, yeah. I feel. I, I feel. Mm-hmm. I almost say a thought. Yeah. No, I didn't learn how to articulate feelings till my mid late twenties. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't learn to. And that's either. another thing I think we don't emphasize in education is like that emotional intelligence. Mm. It's not that that's not what it's helping us navigate through. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't help us navigate through the old paradigm. The old paradigm. Yes. And I think in this podcast, and I think we can all start to see that, like, part of the turmoil that we're that some might perceive in the world is that paradigms have to shift. Yes. And they are shifting. And we have to, you know, we it's no longer just all about productivity at all cost. Yeah. Right. Now we're seeing and realizing we may have to be resilient. Yeah. Because there are going to be limits. There already are limits that weren't there due to like the changing climate, right? Yes. And I think that's, and then again, the the difference between, you know, building and, and designing for productivity and the designing for resilience is that when you design for resilience, you, you know, maintain, you do maintenance, you you repair, you take time to- Take those breaths. Right. You don't check repair to just- Check in with your body, check in with the emotion. Yeah. You don't just treat the symptom, right? You, you repair to the best of your yes. ability- the function so that it can continue to function. Yes. You know, and that's, um, there's just this, and this this whole humanity, like those of us who have been on the, you know, I guess we're all on the wrong side of oppression, but what I mean is on the the side that is made to suffer more, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We have to have that perspective and that wider view of the system in order to make to make it through, yeah. right? And so that, and then what tends to happen after that though, is like, okay, you know, you get, you know, all right, you got, it's like, oh yeah, black and brown people, indigenous folks, like, yes, let's come and teach us about our ways so we can be better. And the listening, if the if the system and the paradigm is still about, okay, how we can be better to fix our problem quickly, then it, it's it it doesn't change right exactly. if the pair if it's like okay come talk and share your experience so that we all can collectively adjust to this paradigm um and then adjust our views and get a better understanding of just like 
you know, we're all valuing and wanting, you know, the same core things as far as just being able yeah. to to live and enjoy life, yes. right? And but yet, the way that we've designed the systems of society makes it, it makes it easier for other people and harder and harder for others. Along those lines, that's why I feel it's been a gift to do these empathy interviews. Is it it slowed us down, slowed me down, helped me to connect with my colleagues, talk about important things, get in touch with the new paradigm, or that like that needs to be a part of the new paradigm. That slowing down community connection, like prioritizing that in our job descriptions, prioritizing emotional intelligence. Um, as things start to fall and change and, and, and rearranged, I think racial inequities and all kinds of inequities just keep keep going on because we've set it up to where folks with the means and the resources and the power and the status that move up our societal hierarchy make decisions that aren't actually serving the masses that create the hierarchy, yeah. right? It starts to serve them in their positions so they can maintain a horde. Oh. Yeah. And then all the efforts to resist because, you know, we want to be like them. <laughs> so, um, for me, equity is about being impartial, right? Yeah. Giving people an opportunity to have a fair shake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times we focus on equality when we really need to be focused on equity. Mm. Um, equity is being fair. I think that's, that's the thing that we would want the most as people is fairness. And I just think about it in terms of, I run a basketball camp in the summertime. Okay. And so if I wanted to practice equality um, and that was the big, big thing, I would go get everybody size 13 shoes, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's getting the exact same thing. Yeah. But being equitable, I go and I ask all the students and all the players, what size shoe do you wear? Mm. So I can give you exactly what you need. And I think that's exactly what um, equity is to me. I mean, just meeting people where they're at, being fair, and giving people exactly what they need to be able to succeed. Yeah. Talk to me on that one. I co-sign that. Um, I mean, I think without being all um, word nerd about it, you know, like, because fairness and equality can kind of be like um, the same thing. But I think the overall vibe I get from that definition is one I agree with where fairness in this context is actually seeing what people need, right? And then providing it for them. Like you would see, you know, okay, so if we're calling it out, right? Like, and as we should, right? So the system's designed to meet the needs of, you know, white bodies, white male bodies, right? So it's already asking them what they need and what they want. Mm -hmm. And it's not asking what black and brown, indigenous folks, you know, LGBTQ plus that whole spectrum. um, It's not asking what they want or what they need, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like it's not asking and and then these groups, right, force a conversation, yeah. right? Because 
because because you know we need stuff <laughs> right just like any other human needs stuff and so and you have the means and the resources because you know you've been winning and winning and winning right so like how do you then create the ability within those who have the resources to have the capacity to be able to not only just ask other folks that don't look like them or live like them what they need, but be able to truly like hear it and yeah. empathize in that way and connect. I love that analogy. I've heard another one similar about medicine. Not everyone who's has a symptom needs Tylenol. Right. You know what I mean? Like you got to get that medicine that you need for what's, you need to be your whole self genius. What you need for your genius to awaken. What do you need for that? And not everyone needs the same assignment. Right. <laughs> you know, not everyone needs to go to the same level of math or writing or what science, you know, but right. they need their unique puzzle pieces right. to get where they need to be. I like that too because it puts, it puts the onus on the teacher Mm-hmm. To understand the need, but also on the student to be like, yo, this is this is my voice. Right. This is what I need. This is who I am. So with that, it's like that's all our work is to dismantle the white body supremacy that exists so that everyone's getting their needs met. Um the the thing is that I see with, you know, myself being a white person or you know, or in this work or with white kids growing up is as soon as their privilege or their entitlement is being challenged, the victim card might come out and it's like, oh, I'm being oppressed now. And it's like, nah, man, this is equity. This is you just like coming down from your pedestal. And it's like, this is actually for your liberation. Right, right. And when I realized, oh, I was like, I I have a part to play in this work. You know, this I can't just lean on like, all my friends of color, colleagues of color to be like, yeah, man, tell me what's up, you know? Right, right. Give me that stamp of approval. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm one of the good ones. Right, right. But it's like, nah, bro, you have your work to do and you have your part to play. And it's not not gonna be the same as yours. It's not gonna be the same as hers. It's not, but I need to create a platform so like all those voices get heard, not only heard, but incorporated and integrated we form in a different system because i don't want trying to be a white man isn't what everyone's goal is you know what i mean we're we're taking down that whole kind of hierarchy ideally and that can kind of come back to like not not just teaching who you are but teaching who you want to be you know and teaching teaching in a way where it's like i'm one of many voices in this room that has skills and the stories and knowledge to share. Yeah, yeah. Flipping it to, you know, it's work to do and the hence the name of the podcast, Worth Work. Is Worth that Work. It is, this work restores, I would say your perception of worth within yourself. Mm. And I say perception because that's how we determine, you know, if we're good, a good person or not. It's a perception thing. We're not inherently bad. We're not inherently good. Getting to this core being idea, right? Yeah. It's we're we're a sensation. We're a, we're a, you know we're a cessation being in, in in flow, and then 
for whatever reason, having these quality judgments, mm-hmm. you know, serve a purpose. When they start to keep us in shame spirals, then that's where the uh, the problem occurs. And to me, racism at its core is a shame system, right? It's if I can get, you know, people who don't look like me, right, darker skinned people uh, to inherently hate themselves, right, and then look up to what I want and what I have, then... I can have control and power over them. And that, you know, that is the foundation of yeah. the country, right? And and then as, again, because, you know, it's not true, right? Like it's, we're just beings, right? And the value judgments are coming from people, right? It's It's not inherently true, never was true. There's been movements to push against that. And in that pushing against that, you know, you'll have, you know, being uncomfortable when you're used to a life of comfort is, you know, scary. There's, I think in my grandmother's hands, this idea of white fragility. You know, I'll paraphrase it in my own words, essentially, but in my, I won't say my view, but like, okay, inherently core being just is and exist, the, any type of qualifier on it, like fragility is not inherently true, right? It can be made true. When any time uh, there's a, a a chance to struggle, it's taken away from you. That is essentially what happens and what has happened where like there's not, it's like, yes, white folks, like everybody struggles in their own way, right? But struggling with the core of, you know, I mean, and, and this is where it like starts getting into like, um, you know, mental health and depression and all these other kind of things. What I'll say is that for anybody who experiences those things to the point where they don't feel they belong to life, it's also made worse when you don't feel included by, you know, your fellow humans. And that's what racism adds on top of that. So if you don't feel included by your fellow humans, you're not getting what you need. You don't know where to go. You don't have the resources to do it. No one's necessarily, you know, again, listening or reaching out to listening or sparking a conversation of a genuine, like, I see that you are in this, how do we help each other to change it? That kind of like mutual liberation kind of thing. So if that's not the experience, right? If everything you had to fight, everything you've gotten, you've had to fight for as a people, you know, you know, we have this, there's a, another idea too, of just like black resilience and excellence. And, and, and it's like, yes, that does black people are resilient, not because we're black people, but because we're people yeah. and people are resilient, you know, and we're also fragile. We're also, you know, we also hurt and, this idea that, um, you know, we're, it's like, yes, struggle does make humans stronger. And if you have a system that makes people struggle more than they need to, and other people struggle less than they need to, then they develop a perception of their own weakness. And it's like, no, nah, you're not. It's like, you you can handle not getting what you want. You can, you can handle being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and, and still be alive and, and, still make things like the whole world's not going to end if you don't get exactly what you feel you need or want in this particular uh, 
moment, yeah. you know, or if things are done differently than how they've been done before. And I think that's part of the, like, as when I'm teaching, um, you know, essentially white students, like I'll, that, that moment happens, right? And I think it's one of those things where it's different coming from me, mm-hmm. right? Than it would be like coming from you, yeah. right? Modeling that, like, nah, it's like that. This this is what this is what privilege feels like, yeah. right? And this is what what it's. Uh, challenged, and rightfully so, in this, you know whatever scenario is it it's in, right? You can then start to have that ah that tension that then builds your character to be able to recognize like oh, okay, you know, needs are dynamic, yeah. right? It's not just about me getting everything that I want in the moment that I want it, or yeah. things, or learning looking a certain way, totally. you know. So that's the um. Yeah, and I mean, and I say with white students, but I've also had it with, you know, black students as well, right? Because we're all conditioned to learn in a certain way, yeah. right? And and I tend to call it like pretend learning, right? Because if you're not putting all your, if you're not engaging fully in the content and you're getting your A, and, and that like, you're, you're not, if you're not, if you're not making mistakes, if you're not, you know, pushing to that point of like, ah, I don't understand it. And having that cognitive dissonance and that frustration being in that disequilibrium, then all you're doing is um, playing school, yeah. right? And not actually challenging yourself to grow. Yeah. And that's, um, and I think that that's what the whole system does, Yeah. right? It. Totally. It's like, and that's what we need to do as educators. Yeah, is like have a culture of of growth as well. Right. Not just like I've taught this curriculum for however many years. Here you go. Right. Take a test. Show me your calling so, that you have the knowledge. Right. How but do you know like, it works? How do you apply that knowledge? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like how do you know it works? Oh, because everybody passed my class. Definitions of equity. What definition do you like carry with you as you think about doing? Uh, equity work? Yeah, I carry probably a little bit of each of them. Mm-hmm. Keeping in my mind, you know, being cognitive of being a white man, educator, the system works for me. That, that's imperative. So I can get to the heart of humanity and like understand the work that I have to do personally is deeply connected to the work that I do in the classroom. You know, taking making sure everyone's not getting their size thirteen shoes, but they're getting the size shoe that they they need personally. I take that with me, and I think I'm I'm striving towards getting out of the way, mm. so that students can be empowered to take up their space, share and shine their genius. What about you? I go with the meeting everyone's needs. Yeah. And I also sometimes add not everyone's wants mm. because I would Little say- caveat there. Yeah. The, the caveat of the wants piece comes from how have you vetted what you want? Do you just want it because somebody told you this is cool to have? Yeah. Or so that's you, that little self-actualization. Yeah. Yeah. That little yeah. Like- Journey. If you want something that's actually aligned with your needs, then- Yes, I'm going to help you meet that. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, if it's not aligned with what your needs and it's kind of based on uh, what you've been conditioned to want, 
I want to help you vet it and make sure that when you say like, yeah, this is what I want and it's true to you, right? It, it breaks out of the loop. And so here's the example, right? Kids, you know, what do you want for this year? I want to pass on my classes. I want to get a 4.0. Okay, why do you want to do that? Because I want to get a scholarship and go to college. Okay, why do you want to do that? Because I want to be successful in life and I can keep going, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, success. Okay, what does that mean? What does that look like for you, right? What do you want to do with that success? Yeah. These are, you know, the questions that people get all the way through college and, and have careers and don't start asking until their life smacks them up a little bit. And life will do that. Yeah. It'll bring us to a point, of our own like rites of passage, you know, basically at any point. Like I was just reading the Rizza's Dao Vu, one mm-hmm. of those pillars of wisdom and there's the call and that connects with the hero's journey and he articulates his own call. And that can come when you're adolescence or in your... 50s, you right. know, but it's just like, I guess part of education is unlearning what you learned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that seems like a lot of what I'm doing as a, a teacher is like unlearning what I learned in school. Yeah. I mean, it's like unlearning and also understanding like even why it was taught in the first place. Yeah. Got you to a short term result, quick outcome, but it, it wasn't sustaining for your life. Exactly. After you receive that outcome. So it's like the, these kids that want that 4.0, it's like you get it and you're like, yes. Now what? Yep. Right? But if it's That like, was me, 3.8 though. <laughs> yeah. If you, uh, I think I was like a 3.5 three, three or 3.45 when yeah. I finished um, high school. But if it's like, okay, I want to get a 4.0 because I'm the type of person that values my education. Mm-hmm. You get that 4.0. Yes. I prove to myself I'm the type of person that values my education. Yeah. Now what? Well, since I value my education and learning, what do I want to do next? Yes. Right? That, that's a different place. You know, you may not have the answer, but at least you have a question to start with. Yeah. Versus like, okay, I achieved this result. I didn't achieve this result. Yeah. Now what? Yeah, man. I, this question is just, it, you know, what is equity? It, it goes, the layers take us back to the core of what it, what it is to be human. Mm. And that those questions put us on that quest to be connected to what's really important in life. So that's that's what I feel was the benefit of like all these interviews and having this conversation now is to keep coming back to like, wait, what do I really value? What's really important? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do I live, live, live from my heart? How do I, you know, activate my genius? Yeah, How and stay I, in the flow of it. Exactly. It's, align it's not... with it, realign with it day in yeah. and day out. Definition so. is to, um, it's it's one of the. I mean, the problem with words too is like they don't they don't keep going. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the experiences having a dynamic definition of equity, meaning that it can evolve and change as like all words yes. uh, do over time. Um, I think it's good for us to remember that yeah. uh, as we do this work that you know at one point equity was equal. Right, yes. and now we we're seeing that equal didn't still didn't give us yeah. equal outcomes, right? And so now exactly. it's more about giving folks what they need, figuring out what they need, and taking the whatever time is necessary, which with each group to to figure that out and try to do that. It's like the negotiating of needs, you know, to the best of our extent possible, and hopefully we model that for our students, and then they get better at it for when they are adults and running our systems yes. and society to be able to big picture right yeah there. have that 
those conversations with people and still maintain humanity when making decisions about policy and who who has access to what and yeah and thinking long term you know exactly. i think that's that is uh just keeping it in flow and just recognizing that uh, equity is understanding that we all have worth and working for that this is the worth work podcast yes that's what we're working towards <laughs> all right all right tune in next time yeah i guess we did it we made it happen Sound effect. <laughs> now it's time for keywords and phrases. Jesse, what are our keywords? Yo, keywords equity, beyond compliance education, white body supremacy, tension for music, get in your bag and teach who you want to be. All right, let's see what we do here. Ah, so. Excuse me, don't need to pluck. Uh, hear the music, pick up the luck. Yeah, yeah you rocking with the man of the luck. Yeah. How you doing? Huh, that's what's up. I'll let you know who I be. The tension has made a me. Turn the pain into community and a melody that unites you and me. Come on. Yeah, don't just do what I tell you to do, cause I tell you to do it. Yeah, be like water, Bruce Lee, fluid. Uh, learn the arts, not the martially. Come from the heart and let it get enlarged, see? If we can get in there, then man, we can do anything. Never be overwhelmed, be a queen, be a king. You can sing, you can rap, you can do it all in your habitat. Uh, from that wisdom to get out of these dumb bums. And so I can flip all these conundrums with a new type of beat, a new type of heat to get you off your seat. And we can battle white body supremacy so we can see that genius inside of all of we. Cause that's what's really what it's about The equities just making people release and shout Kick it, kick it, yeah that's the ticket No soccer, football dude We just getting it into our tools, our skills Doing what we can to pay the bills But more than that we get into our feels We feel the emotion like a freaking wave in the ocean Ride it, ride it, get excited Okay, okay, we're growing today And that feels good Growing today feels so good As we just pray, as we just keep on operating sensei Keep on moving just to get the body I want to be free, I want to be hype, I want to be intellect, that's why I write. I want to be the one that gives you the sun, that gives you the light so your day can begun and begin. Don't die, come alive, we thrive. Sometimes we just trying to survive day to day, but hey, this is time to relax and reflect and to breathe and to shine and rewind. Let the chakras open along your spine, you will find you got that energy inside, alright? <laughs> you can't do and uh, yes, y'all, man, that is the end of the episode of the Worth Work Podcast. Too much fun. Yeah, man. I, I am Desmond Span. I'm Jesse the Imaginer. And thank you again for listening. We will catch you in the next one. Deuces. Peace.